Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On this episode of the OFNT podcast, I cover tech news, the wacky world of entertainment, and have some podcasting news, some of it, in my opinion, not too good. Of course, I wrap it all up with a rant. Strap yourself in. It's a jam-packed episode. Now on with the show. Hello, welcome back to another episode of the OFNT Podcast. OFNT stands for Old Fart, New Tech. I'm your host and resident old fart, Jim Shaver. And the new tech, at least to me, is this podcast. I hope you are doing well and having a great weekend. Corrections this week. Again, none. Politics. I've noticed a strange alignment of politicians this week. United in the quest against a giant telecommunications conglomerate. I feel something is going on that ordinary folk don't know. Continue listening for that story. Let's move into some tech news. ZDNet. Members of the Hamas Palestinian militant group have posed as young teenage girls to lure Israeli soldiers into installing malware infected apps on their phones. This, according to a spokesperson for the Israeli Defense Forces. Some soldiers fell for the scam, and if you see the photos, you would understand why young men would fall for them. But the IDF said they detected the infections, tracked down the malware, and then took down Hamas's hacking infrastructure. They then launched an operation and killed the hackers, their families, and pets. No, not really. I just made up that last part. It's called dark humor. Look up the definition if you have to. This next item is from the Wall Street Journal. The New York Attorney General won't keep fighting T-Mobile's merger with Sprint. I guess the right organization got paid off this time. Seriously, I'm not a fan of the government poking its nose into everything, but I'm concerned that this merger will increase prices and decrease services. I guess we'll have to wait and see. This from ScienceMag.com. 
They wonder what happens to our online online lives after we die. Speaking for myself, at that point, I don't think I'd give two shits. Well, you won't see this too often, and I'm still checking to see if hell has frozen over, but President Trump and George Soros agree on something. According to the IrishExaminer.com, making Europe's most critical infrastructure dependent on Chinese technology opens the door to blackmail and sabotage, argues Soros. No kidding. I guess Lord Xi Jinping didn't pay protection money lately to the former Nazi and current communist globalists and his organization. Maybe the Chinese government won't let the billionaire manipulate their currency like he does to make money because they are too busy doing it themselves. Coronavirus, anyone? Soros then goes on to both compliment and disparage Trump. I would guess that he just couldn't bring himself to be in total agreement with the president. He ends his statement by saying that the EU should not facilitate Xi Jinping's political survival. Kind of sounds like what I would call a veiled threat. That's how I'm reading it. At the very least, it's a call to action. We'll see how this shakes out. There are a myriad of articles about Trump's so-called war on Huawei this week. Highlighted in each of these articles is the apparent fallout with the EU and Britain because of this issue. There should be some fallout because the sharing of Intel would be jeopardized by including Huawei networking equipment into a country's communication infrastructure. What good would it do to share intelligence if it has a high probability of being compromised? It appears these countries are having a great time antagonizing this administration, but who will have the last laugh? The USA has gone it alone in the past, and we are certainly capable of doing so again, if need be. Again, I am checking to see if hell has frozen over, as Bloomberg.com is reporting that House Speaker Nancy Pelosi has stepped up warnings about Beijing's global telecommunications ambitions, saying Chinese operator Huawei Technologies must be prevented from controlling the next generation of wireless networks. Hmm, where have we heard that before? The article continues. Pelosi said autocracy in China makes Huawei a threat to the Western countries as they prepare to develop 5G telecom networks. Quote, If we were to let Huawei have the information highway dominance... It would be like putting the state police in the pocket of every person who uses that highway, Pelosi told reporters on Monday in Brussels after holding meetings with the European Union. This puts the Speaker of the House in line with the position the Trump administration has taken on the subject. The evidence must be strong for Pelosi to basically agree with President Trump. Will this have any effect on the hinted-at plans of the EU to include Huawei in the supposedly non-critical parts of the European telecommunications backbone? All I have to say is this. Money talks, bullshit walks. It's not like the USA has a business horse in this race. Well, maybe Cisco, but only to a small extent.
Nokia and Ericsson, both European-based companies, are Huawei's only competitors at this time. Samsung is gearing up, but it will take a while for that company to be a serious contender. The Verge is reporting that the thin glass used for the new Galaxy Z Flip scratches as easily as plastic. Besides the selling price of $1,380, customers might be led to think this and other phones in this form factor are as durable as the flip phones of yore. They will be very disappointed. Again, not ready for prime time. Piling on? Reuters reports that the U.S. is mulling about cutting Huawei off from the global chip suppliers with TSMC in the crosshairs. TSMC is a Taiwan manufacturer known basically for manufacturing Apple's chips. I don't know what is going on, and I really don't want to, but it seems an all-out campaign has launched with the goal of sidelining the Chinese telecommunications giant. Articles upon articles are appearing in my newsfeed about administration allies and enemies alike warning about the dominance of Huawei. Has some damaging info been just recently discovered? Even George Soros, for Pete's sake, has been dragged out to support the Trump's administration view on the Beijing behemoth's ascendancy. The blowback that's possible with these actions is that Chinese industry could rise to the occasion and develop or steal this technology and become self-sufficient. This goes against the globalist tendencies of both Soros and Pelosi. Something is going on here. We, the peasants, are just not privy to it. There will be more to this story, and I'll report it as I find out. Samsung poised to benefit from China virus woes afflicting Apple, other rivals, reads the headline from Reuters. That's because 10 years ago, Samsung had the foresight to move half of its phone production to Vietnam. The only production left in China is for the company's lower-end models, which have a much narrower profit margin. Samsung had also ceded the China market to its rivals in recent years, meaning it won't suffer from store closures and drop in demand that is hitting, hitting Apple and others. This is what I've been saying. Stop worrying about diversifying your workforce and start diversifying your manufacturing base. Also, Apple in particular will never be more than a niche in the Chinese market, which is dominate, dominated by local companies turning out budget phones with high specs and running the Android operating system. Now, the way I understand it, Chinese consumers' phones basically run WeChat over Android and almost never leave that application because it does everything they need to do within it. So why would you bother with an expensive iOS device when a phone that costs less than half of an iPhone would do the trick? Apple's leaders need to get over their love affair with China. That's just my uneducated opinion. Now here's some tech I'm using. I've had multiple iPhones over the years, the 4S, 5S, 6, 6S Plus, and 8 Plus. And the phone I currently have is the 10S Max. My favorite of all time is the 4S. First off, because my lovely wife gave me that phone for my birthday. And second, the look and build quality of that phone has withstood the test of time. 
It just felt solid in the hand, and typing on it was a great experience, which, in my opinion, hasn't been replicated with any of the models which have followed. The only other phone that I have owned that could compare was the Nokia 925 Windows phone. I don't need to tell you what happened to that company and operating system. Yes, I'm still still upset about it. My current 10s Max is my second favorite iPhone of all time, but I think I'm going to take the plunge and upgrade to an iPhone 11. I figure if the expected redesign happens this fall, it would be better to wait for the S model like I usually do. The only problems I've had with the 10s Max are the touchscreen, which wouldn't respond sometimes, but a quick click of the power button cured that, and the battery has degraded a bit over time, which is to be expected. That's not really a justification for an upgrade, but at least I could tell the story of another trip to the Apple Store. What has been your favorite iPhone, or any phone that you have used? Also last week, I talked about a problem I was having with my 2018 MacBook Air. I think I figured out what the problem was. I had left Google Chrome open because of a web app I use. It required Chrome to run. I've I've often heard that Chrome is a memory hog, so I came to the conclusion that maybe the browser is a battery hog also. Upon closing that app, I haven't had the drain battery problem since. Maybe that was what was causing the problem. Stay tuned. I'll update if I have to. And now, kids, it's time for that wacky segment on entertainment. From USA Today. Check your subscription. YouTube TV says bye-bye to Apple App Store billing, or bilking as my autocorrect originally suggested while writing this note. As of March 13th, you will have to pay Google directly. This is a trend that a lot of apps are implementing to avoid giving Apple up to 30% of the cut. I have no problem with this, but Google's Play Store does the same exact thing. As the old Irish saying goes, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. This next one is truly wacky. This is from Pitchfork.com. Rick James is posthumously sued for sexual assault of a minor in 1979. Boy, this sure took long enough. Rick James was the, um, I guess it was the 80s superstar, musical superstar. She, the, the complainant is seeking $50 million for the alleged rape, which supposedly occurred in the spring of 1979 while James was visiting a youth detention detention center at which the plaintiff was living. That's the first red flag. She alleges that after meeting James along with the other inmates, um, I mean uh, residents, she retired to her room to read. I'm sure it was the Bible, too. James followed her, and as she was lying on the bed, swiftly laid on top of her, grabbed her hair, and pushed her head into a pillow. After attempting to fight him off, he told her, shut up and quit moving or I'll cut you. She she claims he then violently ripped off her clothes and raped her, ejaculating inside her. He then allegedly threatened that if she ever told anyone, he would know how to find her. Okay, I have to make this joke, people. 
I know this will be deemed inappropriate, but I just have to ask. Did he also say, I'm Rick James, bitch? I have to know. Okay, it's been 41 years since this alleged rape took place, and James died in 2004, so why wait so long? That's the second red flag. What do you guys think? This next item is from JoeBlow.com. Yes, that's actually the name of this site. The Escape from New York remake might star Kurt Russell's son, Wyatt. What? They're remaking this great movie? Can't Hollywood come up with anything original any longer? They better not screw this one up. This in from PCMag.com. Headline. Rebox made a streaming service you don't need. Well, that's kind of harsh, but the article does point out that the content Redbox the distributor of feature films through its rental kiosk and on-demand digital hub, is providing its already available on other, more compelling streaming services. The difference here is that no account or login is required. To me, that means no data scraping, which is a good thing. Also, the more competition, the better. Just saying. I mean, how can you go wrong? More competition always does better. And this is free, so what do you want for free? Entertainment Online is reporting that Ozzy Osbourne's No More Tours 2 is canceled in order for the self-proclaimed Prince of Darkness to undergo additional medical treatment amid his ongoing battle with Parkinson's disease. Sad news for fans of the former frontman for Black Sabbath. My grandfather suffered from this disease and succumbed to it at a relatively young age. I wish all the best to Ozzy and his family. I just hope this disease is not in my future. Constance Wu, a co-star in the movie's Hustlers, made $600 while working undercover as a stripper to, to prepare for her role in the film. This according to Yahoo Entertainment News. Well, at least she has something to fall back on when those token Asian roles dry up in Hollywood. I know, I know, that was a mean thing to say, but I just can't help myself. Fox News reports that Piers Morgan, a former longtime CNN host, bashed his ex-employer along with others in the media for previously celebrating Michael Avenatti, the disgraced former attorney for adult film, read porn with a capital P, actress Stormy Daniels. Calling him a sleazeball in an interview with Sean Hannity Monday night, I don't get it. This guy Morgan was a loony leftist back in the so-called day who called for abolishing the Second Amendment and other wacky things. Now he promotes himself as a Trump supporter and has aired conservative viewpoints whenever he gets a chance. What happened? When he got the boot from CNN, did he see the light? Or is he reinventing himself as part of a career choice? Inquiring minds want to know, or do they? The New Indian Express, yes I know, I'm really digging here, is reporting that Megan Fox, whatever happened to her, and Bruce Willis will star in a crime thriller. It will be titled Midnight in the Switchgrass and is set in 2004, Florida. Is this direct to DVD? I don't know. While I enjoy watching Bruce Willis acting, his career seems to be at a point where he has to film overseas, and some of his movies are not the greatest. 
One movie he did recently was about a World War II Chinese fighter squadron. It was obviously funded by you-know-who, and Willis was one of the few non-Chinese actors in the flick. As for Megan Fox, she had her high point a few years ago, but her career is not what it used to be. That being said, I'll watch this movie when it's available to stream. I'll end this segment on an upbeat note. At least, it's upbeat to me. Variety.com is reporting that Rocketman filmmaker Dexter Fletcher is to direct The Saint Reboot. Fletcher will helm The Saint, a reboot of Paramount's 1997 action thriller that starred Val Kilmer. Remember that disaster of a movie? The globe-trotting adventure is based on the 1920s novel series written by Leslie Charteris. My son and I are fans of The Saint, especially Roger Moore's portrayal of the main character, Simon Templer, in the long-running television series from the 60s. I remember watching this series as a child early Saturday evenings after football practice and bought the DVD sets when they became available. Let's hope the studio stays true to the novel and series spirit. Looking forward to this one. And now, words of impact. This is an old saying that has been around for a very long time that I first heard from my grandmother. Follow the money. Just about everything that occurs in this world between humans is about money. Birth, death, marriage, divorce, murder, etc. can be traced back to it. Just try a mental exercise yourself to prove this point. And now some podcast stuff. Last week, I tried to ease my workflow by pre-recording segments of the podcast. That didn't go well, hence the many updates to various news stories. Note to self, don't do that again. From IndieRadio.com, Houston Astro cheating scandal brings Cadence 13 into sports. The podcast producer, Cadence 13, which is known for its political scandal podcast series, are launching a sports podcast centered around the ongoing Astros sign-stealing fiasco scandal. Oh boy, more bad news for Major League Baseball, who are doing everything that they can to make this whole thing go away. It's not going away until it's properly addressed. Hashtag Houston Asterix. From rainnews.com, ACAS launching free podcast workshops in the USA for underrepresented communities. Very noble and overdue. I mean that sincerely. I wonder if old farts are considered a underrepresented community. I'd like to get in on a free workshop or two. If you listen to this excuse of a podcast, then you know I need more training. A lot more training. An update on the new Podcast Academy and the Golden Microphone Awards. After reading an article on the great podcasting news site, podnews.com, which also has a companion daily podcast, which is really great, or is the website a companion to the podcast? I don't know. I... I get confused sometimes. Oh, uh, back to the topic. The article quotes one of the founders as saying, quote, I want everyone in this room to participate. I want everyone in this room to go out and talk to people they are connected with every single day in this community and get them to participate. 
We were very careful to ensure that independents have a voice. Yay! The entire community of everybody in this room has a voice on this board. So far, so good. I'm liking this. The article goes on quoting various founding members, saying that the board has been made up of a majority of women from the beginning. SJW points earned here, but will it be enough? But the board is still not complete, leaving leaving a opening for inclusiveness, no doubt. And they are looking for more independent voices. They haven't decided yet if it's open for non-U.S. members. Uh-oh. But that's one of the first things they'll decide. I'm sure they'll get right on that. Okay, tell me some more. Also, anyone who is rooted in this industry... I don't like the sound of that industry term. And who has worked in it for a certain amount of time, first restriction noted, will be able to join the Podcast Academy. I'm starting to get worried here. Quote, you need to have credits. Second restriction noted, a similar model to the television industry, whether you're a writer or a director or a host. It's going to be a simple application process. We'll see. We'll ask you what you have worked on in the last two years, and we'll ask for two references. Refer- references. Boy, I'm having trouble with that today. And this is the third restriction I've noted. To make sure you're a professional huh? and not a bot. Anyone can register their interest on the website now. That's good. There will be a cost, and here it comes, to be confirmed later on. But we're thinking about $100. Is that per year, per month? That's one quarter of other academies. Close quote. I don't know. I'm already disqualified because I've been doing this for less than a year. Who will be my references and how do I go about finding them? The quotes come off like they are paying lip service to independence, and I wonder what the Academy's definition of an independent podcaster will be. With terms like industry and professional and the sponsorship of legacy media, my hopes are dimming. The reaction, the article goes on to say, to all this has been divisive, as you can imagine. It's fueled by sloppy reporting by the entertainment industry trades and a feeling that independents are being ignored. I definitely agree with the ignored statement. It appears Bloomberg reported that Podcasting was born in the halls of public radio. That's very false. All the so-called reporter had to do was a search for podcasts and read the wiki page, which gives a, an accurate history of podcasting. I guess that's too much work, I guess. The article quotes some attendees to the conference. Edison researchers Tom Webster, writing personally, noted that, and I quote, Spent some time chatting with podcasters at the Podcast Movement Evolutions this week, and I came back not energized, but a little disturbed. He notes that independents feel powerless and ignored. Blueberry CEO Todd Cochran writes, My initial thoughts on the Podcast Academy is that they have significant work ahead to not disenfranchise indie producers. The initial impression has caused a lot of raised eyebrows. For now, I'll watch and see. Indeed, Blueberry is a pod manner. I have an idea for a podcast similar to this one, but a little deeper underground from sources not usually heard from. More on that project later. 
Anyway, the show is well done. My hat's off to you. Give that podcast a listen. Listen. And now, it's everybody's favorite, not my rant. This gets political, so if you don't want to hear it, just stop listening. Why do politicians have to inject race into campaigns? Tulsi Gabbard, who I find interesting as a candidate, has just stated in a in an interview with Fox News many points I agree with. Quote, it's clear the DNC would rather hear from Michael Bloomberg, a billionaire, rather than me, the only person of color left in the race. End quote. She goes on to make some great points about the primary process of the current Democratic Party, but lost me on the person of color comment. Why should this matter? I vote for who I feel would be the best for this country. I don't care what color the candidate is. Before the statement, I had no idea she was, quote, a POC and didn't give a crap. She talks about unifying people, yet she drops this race card, which in my opinion just furthers the division. Just stop it. Run on your policies and the merit of them. Let the voter decide on that and not your ethnicity. Enough said. I'm just tired of politics, I guess. Well, another episode is in the can. If you are so inclined, contact me at ofntpodcast.com at gmail.com. Tell me how much this podcast sucks and suggest how I can approve it. Fast recovery, people of Daegu. I enjoyed my stay there and will always remember jogging along the banks of the Han River on those beautiful land of the morning calm occasions. Quick recovery, guys. Be safe. See you next week. Now, get off my lawn. Take care, guys. I'm out. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.